You are listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith. Hope you've been surviving. Well, I guess that's not the right choice of words, is it? I hope you're doing well. You're thriving. There you go. (laughs) Hope you're surviving, needless to say. But hope you're not going too crazy during this pandemic-inspired lockdown we've all had to experience the globe over. This should lift your spirits, though, because it's the one and only Schmier, the fella who has been out the front of destruction, apart from a break in the 90s, of course, since the early 80s. He's the man. One of my favourite interview subjects, it must be said. This is my fifth or sixth conversation with him. I think it's probably my fifth. So we developed a bit of a rapport, as I think you'll tell throughout the conversation. Now, the reason for the chat with Schmier is to talk up Destruction's new live album, Born to Thrash, live in Germany. It's out right now, at least, via streaming services. The physical stuff will be out sometime in June or July. Schmier actually does talk about that through the conversation. So here he is, Schmier from Destruction. The, the popular Andrew, fellow. Andrew, hi. How are you, mate? Hey. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, you know, despite the circumstances, we have a, a very, very spontaneous release and very spontaneous interview session at the moment. I'm, I'm busy with music. Distracts me a little bit of the COVID-19 bullshit going on. Mm-hmm. And uh, also we had just at this moment, I'm receiving a lot of positive news here uh, at the German, from the German uh, newspapers and stuff. So Great. it looks like, it looks like uh, we're opening up a lot of stuff again in the next days and weeks in Germany, and uh, the the main scare is is over for the moment, and things have been are going for the good. So, a lot of good news, and of course the live album um, promo that is very unexpected, but a lot of mm. fun at the moment. Yeah, I'm glad you guys are coming out of it. I think we're very slowly we're very slowly being back in, into normal life. So my daughters are going back to school next week. Which All is right, great. finally. Finally. Oh, my yeah. God, it's been, yeah. You know what it's like. It's been terrible bloody having them at home because they're not learning as yeah. much. No, of um, course not. And uh, and it's, of course, a uh, tension situation. Uh, everybody's locked up at home, you know. So yeah. uh, I'm sure I'm sure a lot of families have problems also because, you know, the kids at a certain age, they want to have freedom. They don't want to be with the parents. They want to go out with their friends and it's all wasn't possible. Of course, there was a lot of tensions in families at the moment. So I'm sure a lot of parents are taking a deep breath when this is over. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. Mine are fairly young. Mine are five and six years of age, so they're completely dependent on us anyway. But imagine if you had teenagers and they Ooh. were stuck at home and they wanted to get out and meet their friends and carry on oh, and yeah. the rest of it. And I mean, there's been kids around the neighborhood here getting up to no good. Not really serious stuff, just spray painting and all that bullshit. But it's just a symptom of boredom. Yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, I don't blame you I, I, I saw that some my friends, uh, also the, uh, my brother has young kids, so also he was kind of happy that he was with the kids for a while now. And uh, But uh, also some other friends, uh, he had problems. He said, you know, I have no control over my teenies. You know, they, they don't yeah. understand that they have to stay home. They just go, you know, and they and they confront the parents with a lot of trouble. And, you know, those teen years, you know how it is. You know, you're rebellious. You don't want to oh, follow horrible. the rules. Yeah, teen years are horrible. I don't miss them. I can tell yeah. you that now, mate. I, as soon as I became a fully fledged adult, I realised how difficult they were. To be honest with you, looking back on it, because you're so insecure as a teenager, yeah. you need to be around people, and or you need to be around people, or you retreat into yourself. It's usually one of the two, and uh, you haven't found that balance and that middle ground yet. And being stuck at home means you dive into the internet, which means you can get into arguments with dickheads online, and all that sort of thing. <laughs> and <laughs> you know, but exactly. Uh, 
But uh, mate, for you guys, let's talk about this new album because I'm really I'm enjoying it a lot. It must be said, uh, it's it's hard to get a, a quality live sound via an MP3 or via a recording, but you've achieved that. But what I wanted to know is, Born to Thrash, it, it, it's tight, it's polished, but most importantly, it's vicious. So, was this something that you planned prior to COVID nineteen, or was this something that you planned as a response to it when we got into the pandemic? Yeah, everything, everything about this album is very spontaneous. Uh, uh, we never recorded uh, this show, um, or we didn't plan to record the show. It was uh, our former sound engineer, uh, Arnie. He's, uh, he's having a company now uh, recording live shows at festivals. And he was at this party sound festival recording some bands. He had the equipment running, and he said, hey, I'm going to record Destruction, and not telling them. So he came into our dressing room after the show and he said, hey guys, I have a surprise for you. All I want is some Jack Daniels Coke. And we gave him some Jack, Jack, we gave him some Jack and Coke and he gave us this live, uh, this live recordings. You know, we were like, man, what the fuck, nice surprise. And you know, sometimes it's great to not know when you get recorded because it was a great show and we didn't know we got recorded. So we were kind of Easy going. We were kind of chilled, you know. We had a good show, a fun show. Once you know it, there's a recording button and there's a lot of recording going on, you're kind of a little more stiff. So once we get yeah. once we get home from the summer festivals, uh, um, we we went to the studio and we put uh, we did a rough mix of uh, of this album or of the songs that we had, and we were like, wow, this sounds killer, you know, like it sounds really good. We should use this one day for something. And then we put it back into the pocket and nothing happened. And then COVID came and uh, we got all those cancellations. I was locked up actually on an on a, on a island in the Indian Ocean oh, on wow. my holidays. Yeah. And I couldn't fly back I couldn't fly back to Germany anymore. And I got all this bad news coming from Germany and all those cancellations. And then I remembered the live album that we had in our pockets. And I was like, wow, maybe we should talk about this now. And I called the boys and... I talked to the label and everybody agreed that now it's the time to bring it. But it has to be like a different kind of aspect of a live album. That's why we have made the decision to, first of all, bring it out as fast as possible, be available for streaming already on Friday now, the 8th. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the physical product takes time to produce, so that comes in summer. So we have two independent release dates. And uh, yeah, the reactions from the fans are great. Of course, when you know when you want to do a live album, then you normally do it differently. But the album just sounded great, and uh, you know everything was just coming together so easily that we said, "Let's do it." And uh, it's going to help us through the difficult times financially a little bit, also keeping ourselves busy with positive thoughts, you know, and also keeps the fans connected with the band. And uh, that's all we need now. That after all the concerts and festivals got cancelled, you know. Yeah, and look, I've got to ask, It's it sounds perfect. So uh, that can be a good and a bad thing. So I hope you don't mind me asking this question. Were, were there any overdubs in the studio done? Because, I, I, mate, I, I'm a musician myself, and, mate, you guys go along at a bloody cracking pace, but there's not a note out of place. So it, was it uh, one... there's, there's, there's little things that are not 100%, but uh, we've been, you know, the basic set of this is... Uh, it's our our live set. Also, we've been playing mm. some tours. Right before summer, we we came from from the Overkill tour, and uh, we we had tours before this. Uh, so the band is tight. You know, Randy was in the band. Uh, Damir, the new guitar player, was in the band. We yeah. were rehearsing. We were at the rehearsing peak 
of our career because we have we have the new lineup, you know. So there was actually maybe the big plus on this that we uh, been sitting down a lot and and uh, rehearsing the songs. And Damir, yeah. uh, the new player, he's he's actually an excellent player and. Uh, uh, he prepared himself very good. He prepared himself maybe even a little bit better than us sometimes. He was like, wow, he can mm-hmm. play all the songs better than us already. So <laughs> so we had to pace up. But no, I mean, you can hear some little little stuff that is not 100%, but the band is tight at this moment, you know. Very tight. You can hear it. Extremely the, tight. There's, there's some fuck-ups on the vocals here and there. I have... Uh, I lost the lyrics here and there sometimes, uh, especially on Best Invasion. I mixed up the verses. Uh, some <laughs> some some old school fans might uh, might uh, uh, you know uh, see, hear that, but it's it's spontaneous. It's live, you know. So it's kind of uh, also we had a little problem with the bass. Uh, I'm usually recording the the bass live with two channels, yeah. like one cha- one channel is like a clean channel clean and dirty. Yeah, I get it. And the one channel is a dirty channel for because I'm having a, like a lemmy kind of bass sound. Sure. But on this rec- on this recording, uh, somehow uh, they recorded both both dirty signals. So I have one one microphone dirty signal and one DI dirty signal. So I didn't have the clean bass. So for the live album, it was I'm not 100 percent satisfied with my bass sound, but it's what it is. You know, uh, yeah. the guitar so- the guitar sound really wicked. And uh, and uh, I think the, 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 the whole 55 minutes are just explosive. You know, the band went out there and we killed it, and uh, and it has a certain raw energy also. You know, so mm. it's kind of it's kind of uh, when you've done a different live album, one that is planned would have you know maybe work more on it and also do some fade in and fade outs and. Uh, this, it would be one shot. No, this is one shot. It's a, it's a, sure. it's mm. a, it's a raw life experience, and and I think that is what matters at this moment. And uh, of course, some fans have complained already that you know I'm missing the surprises. But you have to understand that this is a festival performance where people want to hear the best of destruction. Oh, yeah. And, yeah, you're always going to get that, that aren't you? Yeah, yeah. 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 So yeah, was- I mean. There, Maybe you know if this is a, a big demand and success, we can do a second part of it, Born to Thrash Two, in, yeah. in two years or so. Who knows? You know, I mean, a comeback of live albums. Why not? Uh, live albums have been very unpopular in the last years. Uh, the label also was at the moment a little struggling in releasing it, but uh, because of COVID nineteen, they were like, okay, let's try. Yeah. But uh, you know, I know as a fact that uh, you know live albums sell like. 20% of a normal release. Yeah. So for for record labels, live albums are not so interesting anymore. So we, we grew up in times when live albums were so great. You know, I, all my favorite albums were live albums from the past, Unleashed in the East, Priest, Status Quo Live, when, when, yeah. when I was a teeny, Exit Stage Left from Rush, you know, and of course Iron Maiden's uh, Life After Death are all masterpieces and part of rock and roll history. So, um, yeah, live albums uh, something that that should be good. But of course, you know, also with new technologies and stuff, uh, live album became just better studio albums. You know, with uh, yeah. with a little bit noise of people. You know, and uh, we try to avoid this uh, as as much as our album had to be tight. I mean, we're a thrash band; it's important to be tight. But uh, it was also important to not do it uh, too polished and too. You know, it had to be some some edges you know and uh, sure, yeah. i think yeah the, the album has that you know 
Mm. No, I agree. Yeah. Hey, was was Randy the drummer on the album? Yeah, yeah, Randy's the drummer. Yeah, yeah. He's yeah. a he's a like a machine. You know, he's a, he's so tight. He's so good prepared, yeah. and and uh, he's he was my favorite drummer for many years. And uh, the first time I saw Annihilator already, I was like, wow, this guy is like sure. amazing. And I'm, of course, very glad that he's playing for Destruction now and uh, that we can have to get him for the band. So, uh, yeah, he's with us now for, I think, two years or so. I mean, he basically, one of his first tours actually with us was uh, the Australian tour. Um, oh, wow, okay. Like, yep. Yeah, that we did. And, uh, yeah, yeah, like on this tour, we kind of asked him to stay with us, uh, basically. Mm, yeah, hey, let's let's talk quickly about Born to Perish because I rate that album very highly. As you probably, I don't know if you remember our last conversation, but we we went really yeah, yeah. onto this one here, and I, I hope that it achieved the goals that the band wanted it to. So, do you think it? Do you think it did it do what you wanted it to? Did it reach the ears of impressionable listeners? Oh yeah, I think we had a lot of attention for this album, and I also could see live that the new songs had really good reactions from the crowd. Mm. Um, maybe maybe the best reactions in, since the Antichrist album, since 20 years. Uh, um, of course, yeah, you know, you, you always um, you always want to sell more records, you know, but uh, we're a thrash band. There are certain limits for, for, for what we can sell. It's, we play extreme music, so mm. I, I, have no, I have no crazy expectations. Uh, I think uh, the positive results we had for the album were were overwhelming actually and a lot of fans really like the album we still got really good good uh, reactions on on the album in the internet mm-hmm. so uh, i just want to go out there and play again and uh, now now we have all those great new songs that we can't play live you know so <laughs> uh, on the last tour we've been headlining in, in february and uh, we had uh, four of those uh, new songs live in the set list and we had really good reactions from the crowd on it. So I'm looking forward to go back on the road. It's kind of funny now that we do this live promotion that a lot of people are asking me, like, uh, do you write new songs already? And I'm like, no, <laughs> I'm trying to promote this new album that is just sure. seven months old now. Yeah. But uh, sooner or later, the summer when we sit home, and I'm going to be bored because all the festivals got cancelled. I guess we're going to have to start writing new stuff and then we're inspired. Mm-hmm. But yeah. it's, not, it's, not a, it's not a must at this point to already start writing new material. On the other hand, of course, you know, the new lineup is, is quite inspiring and uh, it's a very good band feeling at the moment. So, of course, uh, once we writing, start writing new songs, it's going to be exciting too. But uh, we're not that far yet, but it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, okay. Well, look, you might have already addressed this next one here, but I'll ask it because, you know, the business side of things, for example, in Australia, as I'm sure it's the same in Germany, there's, oh, this, yeah. there's this real fear that small businesses, that is enterprises that employ between five and 19 people will struggle and possibly they won't emerge from the pandemic. A lot of people are going to go bankrupt. And, and you know, bands are businesses. They're small businesses in the same way. You've got, there's four of you guys, you've got crew, you all need to be paid in order to live and pay mortgages and kids' school fees and that sort of thing. So for, yeah. destruction, for destruction, can you guys hold on until, say, the end of the year before you can play live again and start earning the type of money that uh, you need to keep the van- band viable? Is that uh, So if this thing stretches right up until the beginning of, say, 2021, how will that affect I mean, you guys? Uh, we've been really scared to death when all the shows got cancelled because we basically make our money with live shows, you know. Uh, yeah. Nowadays, in those days where physical sales are down and people are streaming, 
there's not enough money coming in from from the, from an album, you know. So we have to play live. So luckily we have uh, German government. We have some help for small businesses also. So uh, as, as destruction is a company, we got we got emergency help. It's pretty much actually very unexpected, quick and uh, and uh, less bureaucratical than normally in Germany because we have a lot of you know it's a very bureaucratic country here. Everything takes time and, and sure. a lot of uh, a lot of a applications that you have to fill out and shit. But this was actually a quite fast first help, like they they promised everybody, and I think uh, that really helps us at, at this moment now to to survive. I don't know. Once now that everything's loosening up, it looks like there's going to be concerts happening this year. We have uh, cancelled everything till November, mm -hmm. uh, so uh, November, December, hopefully going to happen. Before this, I don't know, so we don't know yet if we're gonna how we're gonna get through this because nobody has big savings here. You know, we're we're a rock and roll band. We spend our money and we don't earn that much. So, but mm -hmm. uh, so far, I'm I'm not looking. Uh, into uh, a, a total crash, uh, but of course it's it's a little threatening at the moment. But I'm trying to stay positive, and uh, as, uh, we are banned. We have uh, also, luckily, little other incomes that come in here and there. You know, merchandise and yeah. and uh, streaming sales are coming in every couple of months, and so this hopefully will keep us alive until we can really play again. But it, it won't be easy, but I'm actually happy to say that my government helped us uh, at this point, and uh, therefore Germany has done a lot of good actually to the small. They did try to help the people as good as they can, of course. You know, hmm. I mean, we're paying also a lot of taxes here, so uh, yeah. finally, it's yeah. finally it's time for the government to pay back, right? So hmm. it's, it's that's how the system should work. Look, they're all they're all really interesting points, and I'm going to ask this question here. I'm going to take it a bit broader outside of the music industry. So I don't I don't have my finger on the pulse of German society outside of talking to people such as yourself. But of course, in 2016, Angola allowed was it two million migrants from Syria to come in, who were basically all welfare dependent. Has yeah. that has that affected the mood of the people in so far as the amount of welfare that she has? allowed to pass through parliament to people and that there are a lot more people now that are dependent on welfare for example is there a bit a bit of resentment do you think building up in the german population toward these recent arrivals and their lack of contribution to the economy of course i mean uh, you know we we, uh, we never had any like right-wing parties or something in germany in our parliaments and something after after the second world war it was all eliminated and there was no such thoughts anymore but now mm. of course that there's, there's been a lot of uh, people coming to the country a lot of foreigners uh, you know people get scared and uh, and all mm. of a sudden the right wing the right wing parties or party more on the right side they had a lot of uh, new voters you know and uh, and uh, people were getting scared of course, of so many people coming into the country, and of course, it was not the smartest thing uh, to get so many people and so unprepared into the country. You know, but Merkel wanted to do something good. She wanted to help those people. She wanted to set an example, which didn't work at the end because most of European other countries they avoided it. They kind of denied, like countries like Poland and all the Eastern European countries, sure. yeah. they, com they, com they completely denied uh, getting, uh, bringing hostages uh, into the, uh, refugees into the country. So 
Europe kind of got divided by this uh, uh, refugee uh, thing, you know, and uh, the, there's no still no real answer about this, you know. I think it was a good thing that we helped, but also it was not prepared well in, in my in my books, you know. And now we had to learn that if if you do something like this, it will just draw right winged. Uh, thoughts to right-wing people, you know, and it mm. won't, won't help the community, you know. If you want to help people and integrate, then you have to do it slowly, like it has been done. I mean, look at Australia. You're the best example for this, you know. You're mm. you're, you're a whole immigration country, you know, everybody's immigrant in, in, in Australia almost. And it worked because it's been done slowly. It's been done step by step. And... Uh, uh, in Germany, we can force it, but I think uh, hopefully our government learned from it. There's mm. been, you know, uh, some new rules now, and uh, hopefully we can avoid to have a, a, a push for the right wing. You know, isn't that's what nobody wants uh, here in Europe? But actually, it's been happening everywhere. You know, if you look to Denmark mm. or to to Holland, to other countries, they all have uh, governments now that are more on the right side than on the left. Yeah. Which is kind of uh, a little disturbing to me, but uh, it's just what it's basically a reflection of what goes on in society. People are yeah, scared. Yeah, it's a reaction, and and and, yeah. and like like with multiculturalism as a uh, something that is foisted on people, uh, it should never be done without the mandate of the people. And she didn't ask the German people if they were prepared to take in these two million people that you'd have to support for generations via welfare. And you talk about yeah. the tax side of things, and it's it, it, the same things have sort of happened here, but to a, a lesser extent over the years. Australia's got a, a massive issue with visa overstays, you see. So we get a lot of people coming in via a plane. They just don't leave. And, yeah, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and, it, and, it, and it, they get forgiven, or I don't know what the t correct term is. But they get forgiven and eventually get issued a social security number and then for, can access welfare. Because countries like Germany and Australia, we are the guiding lights. We are the countries that people want to come to from these uh, developing countries, from Islamic countries and the like. But my view on all of these things, mate, ultimately is that if I wanted to move to Germany, it's because I want to become a German. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like yeah. you actually want to yeah, contribute. Yeah. You actually, if you want to move to Australia, you want to become an Australian. You don't want to come here because you get free stuff. I don't think that's fair exactly. on the population at all. And that's it's this oh. stuff here that that is forces the reaction. And to your to your very well made point there about these populist right wing, you know, you wouldn't call them extreme right wing, but they're sort of heading that way, aren't they? They're not centre right, yeah. and you get these populist. Uh, members of parliament, if you like, appearing, and that's very dangerous long term because it causes a reaction oh, yeah. to the other side again, and that's that's where Angela did the bloody wrong thing there, mate, in my opinion, yeah. and uh, it should never have been done to the German people. No, and of course, you know, you cannot even be mad at at the crowd, you know, because normal mm. people, all they see is they they don't have much money, they may be unemployed, they have to do a lot to get help from the government, and of course, then all those. Refugees come and they get help right away. You know, it's like yes, boom. same thing in Australia, then, mate. Yeah, and, and and that of course, you know, that that pushes the hatred. You know, it's it's mm. a very easy game. But yeah, hopefully they learn from this. And uh, now, of course, since uh, the COVID nineteen, everything's on hold, anyways. And uh, mm. you know, also European European policy uh, has to learn. To be more united now, Europe is drifting apart again. After all the achievements we had, it kind of sucks, you know. Uh, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it's it's uh, also the refugee problem showed showed how divided Europe is. Also, sure. uh, for real, you know, all, all the 
the Eastern European countries, they came to open their hands and say, hey, we need money for highways, we need money for this and that. So they got a lot of money from Europe. But then when they came to help for the refugees, of course, nobody wanted to take a part of it. That's also something, you know, we have to make united decisions and that are good for everybody. And that's, of course, a world problem. Mm -hmm. I mean, as we saw with COVID-19 now, uh, at the beginning, everybody was laughing at certain countries like, yeah, what is this COVID bullshit? It's just another, sure, I remember. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's just another, another sneezer and it's going to be over soon. And uh, look at America, you know, they were the, the countries that locked their borders and were like, oh, we don't want to be part of this. And now they have the biggest, the biggest scare at the moment. Yeah, it's, you know, we have to learn from this fucking planet and everybody knows that we have to learn to work together, you know, and yeah. it, it has to happen. Otherwise, we're going to, kill the planet i mean also for preventions and stuff and uh, there has to be a solution for it to work better together and uh, mm. hopefully this covid 19 is a little step towards this you know yeah what's well, interesting isn't it you know with all of the uh, the industrialization coming effectively to a halt i can see the stars again and i live in a semi rural area so i, I didn't realize how much pollution and smog were even around oh my us. god yeah, it's crazy, incredible, yeah. isn't it? You look up and you can see the stars. I even took a photo from within a, a tent that had a mosquito mesh over the top of it a couple of nights ago. We had the kids out in the backyard and these new iPhones are fantastic with their phones because, you know, they take a video and they compile it to make it a oh, photo. Oh, yeah. And it, it took the most brilliant picture just from sleeping in my sleeping bag, looking up and taking a photo and I couldn't believe how many stars that I could see. And part of me thinks I don't want anybody to lose their job and to fall on financial hardship, but I kind of like this part of it. Not, the, oh, not yeah. the, the lack of pollution. I mean, who doesn't, right? It's obvious. It's, but... it's great. It's great. <laughs> I've been I've been uh, bicycling a lot, so I took my bike off my girl. I've been biking the most in many years, sure. the last weeks, yeah. and it was so nice. There was no cars, you know. The, the streets are free. It's ah, oh, it feels great. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's gonna come back. But yeah, we have to. I mean, now there's big talks everywhere. You know, people are talking about, uh, you know, this uh, how do you call this. Uh, that the government gives a, a certain amount of money to people to survive already, like a, oh, yeah, what's, a, what's called job job keeper in Australia. We, oh, it depends on the the government and the policy they got in place. But if it's welfare or um, yeah, it's um, not it's not real, it's not real welfare. They did like a they did like a project in in Sweden and in in uh, Finland. Okay, and it's yeah. it's a it's a, well, let me Google it. How it's called in English? Uh, it's like a a basic income. But oh, the, like the universal un- basic income. Yeah, yeah, I get you. Yeah, yeah. I, I think unconditional basic income it's called. So, so people have enough money to survive, and then they can start on that building a business on, or going for a job or whatever. You know, hmm. uh, stuff like this is in the talks, of course, again now, and uh, of course uh, we have to change the system. You know, the system of growth doesn't work until the end. We, you know, the, the, this earth is squeezed out and uh, we have to change the system, you know, and uh, that hopefully for that COVID-19 makes people rethink certain things, you know. Mm. And, uh, yeah. But uh, we have to take the chance also. Mm. I'll, just, I'll of... just do a, a time check, mate. How much more time have I got? I've just got a couple more questions if, they, if we've got time. Yeah, okay, we got five minutes more, no worry. Sure. Hey, I had a chat to Laura from uh, Burning Witches re- uh, recently. 
and was singing your praises there. And I know you've had a big hand in the success of that band, which I don't think people realise. Uh, as their producer and their musical mentor, if you like, especially with the sound that you helped them cultivate in 2017's Hexenhammer, and this year with Dance with the Devil, which I think is a better album, to be honest with you. But was it nice. a, was it a challenge for you to find a vocalist of Laura's calibre because she's she's fantastic to replace someone who was very talented in Serena? Yeah, we we knew right away. Uh, it was a emergency rush. You know, we had not much time to to replace Serena because, uh, you know, she was on, on the way to leaving the band. She has, uh, it was not a very nice setup actually. And, and, uh, we mm. were looking for a, a singer of her caliber. And when, when I saw and heard Laura the first time, actually first time I saw her, I was like, yes. And, and now I want her to sing good. Then I heard her sing the first time and I was like, okay, this is really not bad. And, uh, <laughs> Then when I uh, when we sent her a Burning Witches song to sing on, and she sent us the song back, I was like, we have to invite her, you know. And when she came, and she could prepare herself for some days only, and she came to sing some songs in the rehearsal room, I said to the girls, we're not going to find a better singer, in not not in this uh, amount of time we have, and maybe even not uh, in the whole year because she's her voice is perfect. She sounds of course a little more rough than Serena, but she has the full range. And uh, she has a very good appearance also, and uh, she had all she has all that it takes, you know. So mm. it was it was a, a kind of a rough decision for the girls also, and the way we we introduced her, you know, she basically replaced Serena at the Sweden Rock Festival without any announcement. It was a big test also for her, and uh, she did great. And since then, stuff has been improving a lot, and uh, she did a great job on the album. That was a big test, of course. Is she gonna? be able to write good hook lines and, you know, perform good on the record. You know, one thing mm-hmm. is to, one thing is to um, sing songs of somebody else, but uh, then make it your own. And, and uh, she, she did a great job in the studio. I work with both singers in the studio and I have to say they they both are on, of the same caliber, both amazing singers. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Serena is a little bit higher, you know, she can go a little, little bit higher in, in, in range. Yeah, uh, but Laura Laura has a, a very scratchy voice. Also, she can sing also like an angel at the same time. She's a very she's very diverse in her singing. She's also very well educated as a singer. She has a fantastic intonation. That's number one thing as a singer that you know you have to find the notes. And she she never hits the wrong note. You know, so it's it's amazing to work with both one in the studio. But yeah, I'm very happy for the girls that they found Laura because. Uh, wasn't an easy task and fans had a high expectation and of course there will be always people now screaming for Serena because she was singing on the first two albums you know yeah. but, <laughs> but uh, you have to see those girls uh, they they made a miracle happen they found a singer that is as good as, as the old one and they did a great new album and they continued their touring schedule and they didn't break up you know, because all those things are not normal. You know, when when this happens, there's so much doubt and so much problems coming in. Uh, the girls reacted so good and so professional, and this is the real miracle for me. The, the band kind of reborn from the ashes, got even stronger uh, through those difficulties, and that's that's what makes a band a band. You know, going through difficult times, and uh, and uh, get reborn stronger out of the difficulties, and uh, that mm. will hopefully 
benefit, the band will hopefully benefit from those difficulties they had. And, and I have to say, the new album receptions are amazing. Uh, a lot of great reactions on, on Laura also. Laura was also a little bit, you know, scared, you know, to yeah, see knows. how... Yeah, I get it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. How fans react, but I, think she, but I think the fans gave her a fantastic welcome. And of course, you know, when Sammy Hagar was in in uh, Van Halen, everybody was screaming for David Lee Roth. You know, then David Lee Roth came back, and everybody said, "Oh, he sings terrible! Help, help! You want Sammy Hagar back?" You know, so I remember you know, that. <laughs> yeah, you, you never, you never have everybody satisfied. So hey, it's it's the best we can do, and uh, the girls are going strong, and it's great to see that. Yeah, great. Yeah. All right, mate, I'll wrap things up there. Just my final question wrapped in a point would be, you know, I host a podcast series. Are you comfortable with me releasing what we've spoken about in my podcast series? Yeah, of course, of course. Sweet. No, I just thought I'd ask, mate. No worries at all. Well, mate, no doubt we'll be chatting again. We seem to chat every year for the last four years or so. So good good luck with everything. <laughs> oh, yeah, <laughs> and, yeah uh, I've been, I've, it's been busy years, so it's good, it's good to stay connected. And thanks a lot for the support. And uh, yeah, it's uh, this one was, of course, an unexpected interview, but... Uh, yeah, for us, uh, we're very happy we could do this live album now to stay, to stay connected with the music world and with our fans. Absolutely, mate. We're all said, yeah. All right, thanks very much for the chat, brother. I really appreciate it. Good luck with okay. everything again. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrew. Have a good night. You too, mate. No worries. Talk to you. All right, Bye. stay safe. Bye. You too. Bye. You have been listening to the Scars and Guitars podcast series that syndicates for the A-List Online. My name's Andrew Mackay-Smith, and that interview subject was the very excellent Schmier from the German outfit Destruction. Thanks for listening.